Hey guys, welcome back to the Palmetto Shores podcast. Super excited to close out our, uh, I don't know if we call this our series in Acts or our series in Acts part one or what, what we're going to call this, but um, we finished chapter four tonight and actually jumped in a little bit into chapter five as well because the narratives are connected together. So super excited to close this Sunday seminar out and just really saw um, how Jesus formed his church and what the, at least the beginnings of that early church, both in their life together and also in their external witness uh, to Jesus in their surrounding uh, areas. So I've got Howard back with me again. Howard, you want to say hey to the people? Good evening, everybody. All right, all right. And so we're just going to dive into chapter four. Uh, if you remember from, or Howard, why don't you, man, just give us a brief, I don't know, minute uh, recap on what happened in, in chapter three. Because it's because it really flows right into chapter four. Yeah. So give us a brief recap. Yeah, four is definitely just a continuation of three and um, and three. You know that's where really you start to see what's happened here, the feet of it. That's where Peter and John they go to the temple. We talk about how that's a busy part of life. Everybody goes there. Um, that's what the beggars there. People will see him each and every day. Certainly know that he's crippled. Mm-hmm. Um, and Peter and them would. And that's where you know, Christ moves. It's Christ healing him. Um, and that's what happens with Peter and John. And the restoration of the beggar is a, is a clear example of the restoration that's available to us through Christ um, and things of that nature. And he again, a constant theme that Peter has as he speaks is the messianic aspect of that. Um, so he's just healed the beggar. He's gotten a lot of attention there in three, and that's where you really kind of carry over into four um, is after they've healed the beggar, and speaking of Christ's resurrection gets the attention of the temple guards. That's right. It does get their attention. I love, in the ESV, it actually says that they were annoyed uh, by the teaching <laughs> uh-huh. about Jesus uh, in verse 2, and they're so annoyed, these leaders are so annoyed by it that they actually arrest them. And um, why don't you give us just a, a brief snapshot? It, may, it might be easy to miss connecting the dots here. So give us a brief snapshot. Who are these people that have arrested them? And then maybe we'll get into what happens next. But, but who are they and why is it significant who they are? Well, it's, it's powerfully significant. I mean, he's brought in front of the high priest. He's brought into the Sanhedrin. It's the people who tried who killed Jesus, who mm-hmm. condemned mm-hmm. Jesus that mm-hmm. he— you know, had the trial or, or whatnot and, and sent him to die, who he threatened them and their plan was to get rid of him and kill him, and they did. And here you have Peter brought in front of them with this healed man saying, hey, the guy you killed, you sent to die, has healed this man. Mm-hmm. So their plan is totally wrecked. You know, what they what their plan got has over, obviously overcome. Uh, so that's certainly a key component to that. They, these are those those same people who tried to stop Christ, um, and here he is healing this man in, in front of them. So awesome! I want to read this section because it's so good. Verse seven. I'll pick up verse seven. So they're questioning um, John and Peter, and they say in verse seven of Acts chapter four, and when they had set them in the midst, of, in the midst, they inquired by what power or by, by what name do you do this? So they're referring back to the miracle. So they're saying, hey, you know, how did you do this? What power or what name gave you the ability to do this? And then it says in verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, 
let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the, key, the, uh, the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So this is just an awesome, shorter kind of message or shorter kind of sermon from Peter. Um, you took us back to a passage in Luke, Luke chapter 21, where Jesus actually predicted that something like this might happen. And uh, what was the significance of going back to Luke chapter 21 and seeing what how Jesus had uh, taught his disciples even before the death and resurrection? What was significant about that passage in Luke chapter 21? Well, he clearly tells them that you will be, uh, you'll be bold. They'll tell people they will come after you for this. Um, but then he tells them, don't worry about it. You know, don't worry what your response will be. Um, because I will give you the power and I will handle that aspect mm -hmm. um, at that part. And you see Peter, again, I, I know this repeats, but who 50 days ago basically cowered in front of a girl. And now when Christ is in front of this group, <laughs> now he's in front of the group mm -hmm. and he's been given that by Christ. And Christ has told you know, don't worry about it. You see this boldness and you see Christ and you will be persecuted. Um, by the by the temple and synagogues and, and authorities and it, it's happening it's mm. right there um and he's doing what he said he would do he, he said he would give them the power and he'll take care of it and and there it is in the holy spirit that's right and they're testifying about jesus i mean i don't i don't know that there is a clearer verse in the bible than acts four twelve. Uh, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved um, you know, we're, we're all born sinners, separated from God, and the only way that we can come back into relationship with God, be forgiven of our sins, and be um, redeemed is through Jesus, is through what he's done. And here they are clearly proclaiming this um, to these people. And uh, what I love is in their response, uh, they don't actually deny that a miracle has happened right, right? they right. say later on yeah they, they say like hey we can't even we can't deny that something like this happened so what is their response you know but they can't they can't deny that it happened so how does the governing group you might say how do they respond to um what peter has to say here um well by they basically told him to go away and don't say anything um is really what they mm -hmm. do um and they, they do say it and that there he was. They couldn't deny it. <laughs> this great miracle had uh, happened. Verse 17, But to stop this thing this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. So um, they tell them, don't speak at all in the name of, of Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, to stop it from spreading. You know, Again, they tried, they've killed him to stop it from spreading. Mm -hmm. And it's just, a, you know, they're trying everything that they can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's like we talked about this a little bit tonight. It doesn't feel like we have this same sort of uh, aggressive, overt, physical pressure not to talk about Jesus. But there's definitely we you can come into contact with pressure about about talking about Jesus, about mm -hmm. sharing the message of Jesus. And as you've encouraged us through this whole uh, four weeks, is remembering that 
we are Christians just like they were. We are filled with the same Holy Spirit. We worship the same Jesus, and we have the same mission. And so we've been called to talk about Jesus, and that won't always be received well. It won't always be received uh, with open arms. But we're not we're not we're not doing it because of the of the response we're looking for. Uh, we're doing it a because we've been told to, and b because people we're sharing Jesus with need Jesus. They need to, they need that salvation. Yeah. And so I love I love seeing the boldness here. That is again, it's not some sort of self uh, generated boldness. Right. It is boldness that comes from uh, the Spirit of God. Uh, and then we spent a good bit of time tonight uh, looking at the prayer, looking at what happens as um, they go back, Peter and John go back to the rest of the church, kind of report how it, how it happened. And why don't you walk us through what happens next and just some of the significant pieces, both of what they did and even maybe some of what they said and why it why it matters for us as the church today. Yeah, it, it's it's really just beautiful. Um, I wish we had more time to really go into it, but it starts in verse 23. Um, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, and this is the church, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And it goes on. Um, it's you got to picture that again. So he comes back to this church who's together. And together they raise their voices mm. in prayer. Mm-hmm. And, I, and we talked about in here, it sounds silly, but there's no screen. There's no... There's no thing we had today to do that they are so united in the unity there in that prayer mm-hmm. they raise their voices together and then the first thing they've done they've been challenged they've been brought from the sanhedrin they recognize who god is it's his attributes right um lord you're, you're sovereign you've made the heavens the earth and the sea mm-hmm. and everything in them is yours mm-hmm. um and then they recognize they he spoke the holy spirit through the mouth of his servant the father david their scripture they know the word so mm-hmm. They're praying, they're together, they're unified. They're referring to Scripture, God's Word that He's given them. You know, remember who He is at this time of challenge and things of, of that nature. Um, and, and they go on and just recognize what He has done for them. Um, they ask for boldness, again, that unity and togetherness, um, that they may continue to be bold to, to really run into more challenges like that um, and, and do miracles through them. It's just an awesome prayer. It really just shows what a church, you know, when when somebody's been out and they've been bold and whatnot, they come back right there. It's prayer, it's unity, together, recognizing God. It's just a great example of, of how a church should be. Yeah, that's right. So going on that last phrase, phrase you just mentioned, how a church should be, I, I think that's a good place for us to, to kind of land this plane. It's great. We we uh, we only do these Sunday seminars in four weeks at a time, and so sometimes we'll be able to get through a lot of the of a book of the Bible. But in this particular time, we had to kind of pick pick a place to shut it down somewhere, <laughs> and so we did land the plane at, at halfway through chapter five. But what happens at the end of four is almost like this direct contrast that then what happens in in chapter five. So kind of for our last just kind of thought comments here. Um, what is it that happens at the end of four that then makes what happens in five such a big deal or makes it seem like so so kind of crazy? So let's talk through both the end of four and then the beginning of five 
and then uh, make any final uh, comments after that. Well, yeah, it, it's, you know, four goes into five, kind of like three, then goes into four. <laughs> You've got Barnabas, son of encouragement, and he sells. Um, well, all right, let me back up a little. We talked again, as we actually talked earlier in Acts 2, about how the church came together. They, they know each other's needs, so they help meet each other's needs. Um, you know, they all gave freely. Um, and, and it goes into Barnabas. And Barnabas, who sells land and just lays it at the apostles' feet, he doesn't ask for anything to be named after him. He doesn't want anything built. You know, he just gives it to him. Um, and, and it's a blessing. And, and as you roll over to five, it's the contrast of Ananias and Sapphira who give but don't do so truthfully. And when questioned, they, they lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and lots, you know, of depth into that, but. Peter says, you know, Satan's in their heart. Why are they doing that? Hmm. Um, so that they're giving, they're trying to get credit for it, but they weren't giving, they weren't truthful in how they were giving because they said they were giving mm-hmm. all that they sold and they weren't. And God makes judgment. Uh, we, that's what we're talking about. They, they both die right then and there. Once hmm. they lie, um, and as Peter says, they're not lying to men, but to God, God makes judgment. And it's not Peter, it's no man's judgment when, when they die and uh, what not, but that's God making that judgment. Mm. Um, and it's just a contrast to the free, carefree giving of Barnabas to, to those who give out of, with pride or arrogance or however you want to look and, and aren't truthful to God about what they're doing um, and, and his judgment on it. And that's, this is your early church and God, that's the bride of Christ and you lie, he, 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 you get judgment there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot to that, but that's, that's why we rolled over into five is because end of four and, and five were really that contrast. Mm. Um, you know, the church, again, it, it wasn't pure smooth sailing from day one. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking a lot <clears throat> through these first few chapters <clears throat> about uh, different things that the church was called to do, things like prayer, things like committing themselves to the word, things like caring for one another's needs, things like fellowship, uh, the Lord's Supper, baptism. You know, these are all things we've seen. But one of the things I see as I kind of step back and see these two chapters side by side is that the church also is supposed to have kind of a culture of generosity and grace and honesty. And I think what makes chapter 5 so striking is that as soon as someone, <clears throat> the first the first people that seem to tamper with that culture, the first people that seem to try to inject uh, really ungodliness into this new kind of fragile church, uh, they are judged, and it, it does seem severe, but I think on the other side, on the flip side of it, I think what we see is that God really does care about his church, and Jesus laid his life down for the church. And so as much as we do want to invest in these kind of particular activities that go along with the church, I think we also just have to keep in mind that God desires us to walk in godliness, in holiness, in honesty before him and with one another, and to maintain um, just healthy values that not only express to the world in, with our words, like as we're telling people about Jesus, but we also want to communicate with how we treat one another and the, the, the ways that we act that we do follow Jesus. And so um, that's kind of, I don't know, my kind of summary thought of, of the, these chapters, kind of thinking back through chapter one now through about five and a half is um, God cares about his church. Jesus gave his spirit to the church. And uh, we're getting to see both the activities, but also the values of how a church um, should should operate. Um, Howard, any last thoughts from you on this these couple chapters that you taught us uh, through the Sunday seminar? 
No, it's, it's, it's been awesome to do it. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it and just seeing, I've always really loved this part of the, the word. It, God's always drawn me to it. It really just shows at Palmetto Shores, you know, this is right then and there. Christ leaves, he gives us a charge, he sends us his Holy Spirit. And it, you can really just see what a church should be um, just right there. And and you see 3,000 get saved. You see them focus on one. Um, God works in so many ways. And, and just so many attributes and things that we can all learn from are put into these four chapters. It's, it's awesome. And by no means is everything that we've talked about you really kind of had to kind of pick some things that flow. <laughs> there's a ton of other stuff here. By yeah. no means, yeah. you know, are we saying there's not. So uh, I just encourage everybody to keep studying it and to read it and obviously go to five, six, seven, eight. You know, Acts is a great book in general, um, but we only had four Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All righty. Well, hey, uh, again, we hope you've been blessed over these last few weeks as we cover these these chapters. Please keep on reading and then reread and reread. And I'm sure as you reread, the Holy Spirit will show you uh, more truth and more uh, reality of, of who he is in his word. Uh, but we've loved kind of talking through it, chopping through it, and, and just praying and longing that our church would be brought in alignment with the word of God. That's our heart. Um, and so we'll be jumping back in in July uh, for our next Sunday seminar. If you, if you didn't get a chance to make it out in May, we'd love to see, see you in July. But uh, again, hope, hope you've been blessed by this. And as always, our vision here is to know Jesus and make all of life about him. So uh, that's, that's the game plan uh, now and always. Talk to you guys later. Peace.